Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your host, Nat Strawn and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 118 of Let's Get Haunted. Yes, and if you're brand new to this podcast and you want to skip straight to the story, you can expand the show notes and the very first sentence in all capital letters will say exactly what point to skip to so that you can get straight to the story. You can skip our intro and skip our donor thank yous and skip us talking about how we already fucking recorded this same goddamn episode (laughs) and our stupid audio was fucked up we don't know what happened we just bought new cords and cables and cabled and corded it all it seems to be doing better yeah so i don't know why but i guess this episode was just meant to be delivered to you a week after it was supposed to yeah yeah something was gonna happen we don't know what the reasoning is behind it but but that's the nature of the universe sometimes we don't understand and you've just got to roll with the hauntings i mean i don't really know what's gonna happen on this episode because i'm like looking at my notes that i wrote that i like we already did this episode on and i don't none of this looks familiar (laughs) at all so it's gonna be really exciting because it's basically like you know someone handed you a speech to read and and you're going to try to figure out how to make that work. I might sound like Joe Biden. I don't know what's going to happen. You know what? It's almost like time travel. It's past yes. you talking to future you. And future you doesn't remember what past you did because it's two different timelines that split off from each oh other. My God. In one timeline, the episode went live. In the And in this timeline, the audio was fucked up. <gasps> okay, I don't... I'm still processing what it all means. Like, I can't think about it too much because I feel like there's just going to be an explosion in the yeah, background. Keep beep booping with the synapses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Basically, you're saying something complicated and interesting, but I understand. You want to know what else is complicated and interesting? What? Our donors. I would love to shout <laughs> out Abby L, Samantha W, and Samantha P. Thank you all so much for donating to this week's episode. Yes. Thank you guys so much for donating. And if you're wondering why your donation hasn't shown up, it's because our shit's all fucked up and out of order right now because we already recorded this episode and it was supposed to go out and then we listened to the audio and we were like oh fuck no we're gonna get like a bad review and that's gonna really like fuck up our days and we're trying to be like on our professional shit right now and we can't afford to do that so the point is is that you will be thanked and we thank you now but you will also be thanked in the future that's right i would like to thank amy x brielle s gentry b patricia m dustin f emily l page c brianna b Kendall B, GGL, Olivia S, Amanda S, and Gentry B again. And I would like to give a special thank you to Paige C and Amy X, who both donated $69. Thank you guys so much. If you would like to donate to this podcast, you can go to www.letsgethaunted.com and there is an option there to donate to us. It's a picture of me and Alyssa really cheesing. We like look so much younger than we do now before. Oh God, don't remind me. It hasn't even been that long either. I've just aged 20 years in one year. The pandemic did it. That's what I'm blaming it on. Yeah. And if you don't want to donate via the website, you can also go to our Ko-fi account, which will be linked in the show notes down below. I prefer Ko-fi donations to Venmo donations just because they come through all nice and organized. But if you would like to donate to me on Venmo, I am at DogMomUSA. 
You can donate to me on Venmo at Nat Strawn or you can paypal.me slash Nat Strawn. Thanks guys so much. All this info is also in the show notes as well. In terms of personal hauntings, I have a few. You remember that I have a horse? Yes. Yeah. Well, he's like a bitch ass lately. <laughs> Long story short, you guys, I got this horse at the beginning of the pandemic because I was like super mega depressed and I didn't have anything to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy this horse and it's going to be like a 90s like horse movie where like a depressed girl buys this horse that no one understands and then they like have this special relationship and like no one else understands and then they like art together and no and one understands they, and, yeah, and then they win uh the horse jumping competition and right. no one understands how it happened right and then you go on to be on the cover of the Wheaties box with the horse and right. still people don't understand yeah flash forward to you're like sitting on a rocking chair in like a really nice house in the middle of like Savannah Georgia Georgia, yes. and then the horse is also next to you in a rocking chair and right. the sun sets and the movie ends yeah we're like smoking like a cigar and like yeah. the horse has a broken leg and i have a broken leg and we're like i wouldn't have done it with anyone else besides you that's right on my side horse <laughs> anyways basically that's what i thought was gonna happen but instead it's just been like a crazy fucking annoying shit lately and i'm getting to the point where like i'm like i don't deserve this like i will pay for you to have a good life but like i deserve deserve a good life too you know so I just started riding a different horse at my barn but long story short I'm still paying to take care of my other horse but I'm like really enjoying riding like the secret horse so my friend Chloe who we've had on the podcast before she rides horses as well I was like would you like to come out and ride my horse double down the misunderstood horse right and she's like yeah sure like I'd love to do it and she's like a professional polo player a stunt woman like she gallops on horses and like can fucking pull out a bow and arrow and like shoot a target so she's like you know good so we're walking the horses out to get on the horses and I get on my horse and I turn around and she's like smiling and like the sun is shining and like the horse is coming and I was just thinking in my heart like wow this is so special that I get to like share this moment of like me riding a horse and my really good friend riding a horse next to me and it's just gonna be like the best day ever and I like really had this moment of just feeling like oh when I was you know like 15 years old all I could dream of was a moment like this would happen and within five milliseconds of me having that thought my horse like reared up and (laughs) Chloe drops the reins immediately and then starts grabbing her shoulder and she's just like my shoulder's dislocated (gasps) and I was like what and she was like my shoulder's dislocated and I'm just like fuck what am I supposed to do right now because my horse just got loose she's standing there holding oh it like she was holding the reins and because double down went uh, whatever I don't know the term went up in the air reared in the air it pulled yanked on her shoulder yeah it ripped her shoulder out of the socket oh fuck so she's sitting there with an arm dangling off of her body like holding on to it I'm on top of a different horse plus my horse is now just like loose like looking around like should I freak the fuck out and like break my legs or should I just like stand here because I'm on the fucking verge right tell me what to do and so I'm trying to like remain calm we haven't even gotten to the ring yet so I like yell for my trainer I'm like Joe but trying to like be cool because I don't want double down to like know anything strange is afoot yeah yeah and Chloe's like oh my shoulder's dislocated I'm like her shoulder's dislocated and he's like now now everyone calm down and eventually I have to take her to the fucking ER and I was just in Liam Neeson mode trying to get her in so they could put her shoulder back in the socket because you go into the ER 
car right now. And it's like, there's no urgency there. Like we walk in, her arms dangling off of her body. I had to open up the door and help her get out because she can't use her arms. And we walk in and I'm like expecting people to be like, holy fuck, let's get her in and like fix this situation. And instead it's like, excuse me, can you show me your vaccination record? Can you put this mask on? Can you sign in? Are you the visitor? Whatever. And I'm like, can I just like step back like 10 feet away from everyone and just yell what we need? Cause like, this is taking too long. You know, my friend's like in a lot of pain right now, right? Like I'm just trying to like get the situation going and they're just like not moving anything along. And I'm like, look, here's my fucking vax thing. Here's this mask is on. Okay, let's go. And then they're like, all right, here's like some paperwork to fill out, whatever, like social security number, da, da, da. And I'm like, can I just like fill this out after we do this? You know, like let's fucking go, right? And there was no urgency at all. And then my friend's like starting to lose her shit because it's like really painful to have a dislocated shoulder. Finally, after I finished like writing all of the shit they needed, I was like, hey, what's the next step? They're like, oh, well, we're just registration. Like she, you have to take her to triage and she has to wait like everybody else. And I'm looking around the waiting room and I'm like, No offense, but, like, no one else here is, like, dangling a limb off their body, you know? Like, can we, like, maybe just, like, move this along or whatever? And she's like, no, you have to wait like everyone else. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And I, like, don't want to say that to my friend because that's not comforting to be like, hey, by the way, I just talked to this lady and she said you're just going to have to wait behind 30 fucking people that have already been here for five hours. So I didn't say that and I was just trying to, like, avoid my friend. And then my friend, like, comes up to me probably after sitting there for 20 minutes and was like, hey, I'm, like, about to lose my shit and, like, started getting tears in her eyes and she's, like, sweating profusely. Like, she's in pain you know Mm -hmm. so I like go up to the registration lady and I was like my friend's in a lot of pain what can I do to like help this situation along I understand that we can't go into triage because we have to wait behind everyone else is there something I can do for her right now like can you give me you know like a timeline like if you were to say hey we can't help her for five hours I would be like okay cool can I like go get her some painkillers like should she be laying down right now I'm not a doctor I don't know what to do and the lady's just like look Everyone has to wait. Everyone has to wait. And finally, I was just like, okay, fine. Just say that to her. Like, say that to my friend's face. And she's like, your friend has to wait. And I was like, no, come over here. Like, no, no, no. Stand up. Walk over to the other window so you can see my friend right now. Look her in the eyes and tell her what you're telling me, which is you have to wait. So the nurse gets up and she walks over and she looks at my friend who is like sweating profusely, has a fucking limb dangling off of her body and is like starting to cry. Mm -hmm. And the woman's like, hey, Uh, you you have to uh I could just see all of the confidence go out of this registration lady's whole like face like when she was trying to tell my friend that she had to wait and then within 30 seconds after that they like took her into triage and popped her shoulder back in and she was able to leave (sighs) why why is it like like that in an ER like shouldn't it be like oh this is an emergency like let's all fucking sprint like shouldn't the people working there be like Usain Bolt like sprinting around shouldn't you just be able to fucking shout your social security number out into like a robot (laughs) and it like takes it in or whatever I don't know I feel like there's no urgency like what is the deal with that yeah well they're there to save people that are dying I've broken so many bones and you literally you have to sit there for like five six hours until they're done with the people with chest pain they're done with the people that like are getting surgery and then they'll like call you back it just takes fucking forever we tried to take her into an urgent care because i knew that was gonna happen and we walked in and i was like hey can you pop this girl's shoulder back in and they were like no it's not like the movies you can't just pop her shoulder back in like you have to go to the er and i was like 
whoa. And then literally it was exactly like the movies. Like the doctor <laughs> laid her down, pulled her arm forward and it popped, and popped back, it back in. in. Yeah. And it was painful and it like sucked and everything. But that guy was a fucking liar at the, at the urgent med. He just didn't want the liability or what? Or didn't want to deal with it? <sighs> I don't know. The whole situation was just like very just stressful. A lot. Yeah, situation. it's not fun to see somebody in pain and like not be able to help them. It like makes you feel helpless. Yeah. The whole time it was happening, I was just like, man, I wish this was me because I don't know what to do in that situation. Like I was just comparing it to me when I was giving birth. I don't know what someone could have said that would have made me feel better. You know, mm. I didn't want to say anything to like minimize it to her. Like I didn't want to be like, it's going to be okay. Like everything's fine. This isn't a big deal because that would probably be upsetting to hear. Right. And then I also didn't want to like maximize it and be like, everything's fucked up. Yeah. Like we need to freak the fuck out because that's not helpful either right then she's gonna give her anxiety yeah so I was just like I don't know what to do here and so that frustration just came out of me being like someone else like do something about this right it's a lose-lose situation yeah yeah there's just overcrowding in hospitals in general in LA right now I have a friend who used to be a trauma nurse in the ER and she quit to become an aesthetic nurse and she's actually a nurse practitioner so like went through a lot of school and like paid a lot of money to get that job and I mean, I'm not saying this to be controversial. I'm just repeating what my friend said. She said she quit around the time that the Affordable Care Act went into effect because there are a lot of people that like really need um, patient education about when it's appropriate to go to the ER and when it's not appropriate. And so what happens is you get overcrowding in ER waiting rooms because there are like people with a cold, people with like a cough, people who like just don't have a primary care physician and they don't understand that those need to be funneled through urgent cares. But at the ER, you can't just like turn somebody away. Mm -hmm. So then it creates a bunch of backup. And so my friend that I know who used to work in um, ICU was like, yeah, it just like doesn't make any sense because then all the people that really needed help, like I couldn't help them right away because I had to like deal with someone who had a cold. Right. And it's and you can't turn them away. Now I know for the future, I guess that you can just fucking rip someone's arm back in there and just be like, you know what? Uh, I hope everything's good. Liam needs it. I hope there's not like a piece of bone going into your veins right now. It's going to kill you like that book we had to read in high school. What book? A separate piece. I'll never forget it. I never read that book. (sighs) Good. (laughs) If anyone else has read that book and remembers it and was haunted by it for their entire life, let me know because it affected me that way. I've never heard of that. But the other day I tweeted and I was like, does anyone remember that story about that old lady who has a boarding house and a guy shows up and she gives him tea and then he's like, oh, this tea tastes like almonds. And then he like the last thing he sees before he dies is the lady coming towards him. And then it's like heavily alluded that she like kills and stuffs men that come upon her boarding house and then like has sex with their bodies. I read that in middle school. Uh, Okay. In our class, our class had to read it. What? In middle school? Yes. In California? Yes. What? Who? No, I do not remember that story at all. I forget what it's called, but I tweeted it the other day and someone responded and they were like, I know exactly what you're talking about. We had to read it too. And they said the title. I forget what it was. That's crazy. I feel like for middle schoolers... Does everyone just grow up like way faster than I did? I mean, I'm so grateful every day that we didn't have TikTok or like MySpace wasn't a thing until I was in like high school. You know, like I'm just really glad that I had dial up internet because seeing like how fucking grown up everybody looks right now and knowing how ugly I was, it would like not have been a pleasant combination for me. I literally used Sharpie as eyeliner up until eighth grade. So... Yeah, I used to use liquid liner, but on my bottom waterline because I didn't understand that like, so then it would just get everywhere because my yeah. eyes would water and then I just have like all this running liquid liner down my cheeks. You know what? 
Live and you learn. Anyways, what's Build your character. personal haunting? Um, I don't have any this week. Good. I'm really happy for you. Thank you. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, no personal hauntings this week, but uh, we'd love to hear your guys' personal hauntings. Don't forget that every five episodes we do listener stories, and if you've been visited by a ghost or an alien or a shaman, send us an email, letsgethauntedpod at gmail.com. Have you ever heard of Lake Okeechobee? Lake Okeechobee. Okay, I'm going to guess. Is that in Oklahoma? No, that's a great guess. It is not. Lake Okeechobee is a freshwater lake that's located in South Florida, and it's fed by the Kissimmee River, which is directly north of the lake, which also makes up the primary source of water for the lake. Lake Okeechobee is divided up by the counties of Glades, Okeechobee, Martin, Palm Beach, and Hendry. And all of those counties meet at a point of the lake that's like almost directly in the center. So it, it takes up a lot of space and there's a lot of cities and communities that are surrounding this lake. Lake Okeechobee is the largest freshwater lake in Florida and it's the second largest natural freshwater lake in the contiguous 48 states. Lake Okeechobee covers 730 square miles, and it's so large that it can be seen from space. Oh, I love that. I love anything that you can see from space. Just as it automatically gets like plus 10 cool points. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So because it's so big and you can see it from space, Lake Okeechobee has the nickname of Florida's Inland Sea. However, despite the enormous size of Lake Okeechobee, the average depth of the lake is only nine feet or 2.7 meters. What? Making the lake exceptionally shallow for its large size. And the deepest part of this entire lake is 12 feet. How can you even call it a lake? I must be really ignorant about bodies of water in general because here in California, it's like there's an ocean and then there's a man-made lake that has no water in it because we're in a drought. (laughs) So imagining like a naturally occurring lake that is so big that you can see it from space, but like shallow but like Yao Ming could touch the bottom and the tips of his fingers would be reaching out of the water like that doesn't seem like a real lake I know I also just feel like it's just not safe because people see it and they're like oh a lake and they dive in and just break their neck yeah oh my god okay never mind well I'll tell you (laughs) yesterday Yesterday, I went to a barbecue and there were like some family friends that were running around this place that I was at and These kids were jumping off of the side of a backyard wall, like retaining wall, into this pool. And it was giving me so much anxiety. I was like, you guys, you're going to shatter your fucking legs. You're going to ruin this family barbecue. Right. Don't be an asshole. I know. Do not fucking make this day about you by, like, getting paralyzed. Exactly. Right. Yes. Lake Okeechobee today. I have no concern for your (laughs) safety. I just don't want to spend time in the ER. Yeah, I know. Just please don't get injured around me. It's going to be too stressful. I can't take it. Exactly. Today, Lake Okeechobee is a destination for fishermen and recreational water sports and hiking and I'm sure a bunch of other shit, but those were the only things I could think that you do around a lake. Cooking, maybe, whatever, barbecuing. Yeah. What'd you say? Fishing, boating? Fishing, recreational water sports, and hiking. And I was really loose with that term recreational water sports because I was reading about it and someone was like, can you go tubing on Lake Okeechobee? And people were commenting and they were like, yeah, if you hate someone, like (laughs) tell them to go (laughs) tubing on Lake Okeechobee. So there's got to be someone that tubes on Lake Okeechobee, but could we really call it like one of the main things people go there to do? It seems like the main thing people do there is fishing. Fishing. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. They got like catfish or something. 
don't know anything about Florida They've wildlife. got bass. Oh, bass. That's yeah. fun. Bass Pro Shop. No, I feel like bass is just like the most basic fish out there. Why is Bass Pro Shop randomly like very mystical like have you ever been to that bass pro shop that's shaped like a pyramid let me tell you about the best thing to do in oklahoma during the summer is go to bass pro shop because there's a fucking entire lake in that bitch and they have like stuffed bears and they have like crazy fucking equipment that like people use to hunt lions and stuff and you go in yeah you go in there and you're like oh i didn't know that i needed like a nine foot tall fucking deer stand but like (laughs) seeing it i think i need it and it's air conditioned probably and you could just wander around for hours yeah yeah that was like the main thing and it's free that was the main the main thing here is a photo of a map of florida and you can see lake okeechobee down here okay so natalia's showing me a map of florida everybody knows what florida looks like i don't need to describe it to you but down at like the bottom half portion of the state right in the middle there's just this giant fucking lake i mean you can't miss it you can literally see it from space and then just in case you didn't believe me here is a photo a satellite photo from space you know what i didn't believe you so i'm so (laughs) glad you're showing me this now natalia is showing me a photo from space where you can see like instead of an illustration the last one was like an illustrated map this one is like real life okeechobee irl you can see all of these photos at our Instagram at Let's Get Haunted. Here are some other photos of the lake so you can kind of see. Oh, okay. So Natalia is showing me what looks like it could be like the Windows 95 background Perfect. on a laptop. But instead of being like rolling hills, it's like rolling grass plains that are submerged in water. It looks like a swamp. Yeah, it looks like a swamp. It's very like Everglade adjacent. Yeah, and then here's yeah. another photo. You can see some boats going through the lake. Yeah, yeah. There's no like swamp trees or logs or anything in it, but at least from the pictures I'm looking at, but it's definitely like looks like just floating pastures, perhaps not unlike uh, the Aztec chinampas that we learned about in episode 115, Isla de las Muñecas. Beautiful callback. Wow. Plus 10 points. Thank you. And then here's one more photo. It looks really pretty. It looks very interesting. Like this is definitely a habitat that we don't have in California. So I'm, I don't know if you talk about what lives there or not, but I'm very interested to hear like what lives there. A lake as I like to think of it, is like a large body of water. But this lake is different because it's so shallow. It's really more, like you said, like a swamp. But I didn't realize this. I guess swamp is sort of like a charged word when it comes to water communities. Look, what? I I was just as confused as you are, but I'll tell you what I read. So Swamps are canceled? (sighs) This is what I read. So apparently swamp is a term that like, early settlers used to describe the Everglades when they were like, oh, here's all this land that we could be using to farm and make money off of, but it's just a big swamp. So let's drain this swamp and then everyone can live here and it's going to be great. And the history of South Florida is just like a bunch of different people trying to civilize this swamp area by saying that it's a swamp and they're going to drain it. And they all try like different (laughs) ways to drain the swamp, but it ends up not getting drained because it's actually the Everglades and it's like a really slow moving river so it's not a swamp. Well that just sounds like the settlers were stupid because the Aztecs sure found a way to drain their swamp. Yeah I mean and they weren't hating on it they had like their god told them to settle there and they were like yep we love it look i don't know what's offensive or not anymore and i just don't want to get canceled for saying it's a swamp well as someone with (laughs) swamp ass i can tell you that 
I am very sweaty and offended by how sweaty my ass is right now, but it's not because of the term swamp. But perhaps I need to be educated. So if you are, you know, anti-swamp, but pro-abortion, let us know in our comments on Instagram. (laughs) So the thing about this lake is that it's constantly changing levels because if there's a ton of rain, then that river will have more rain in it and the lake is going to flow more, whatever the fuck. And then it kind of like when it gets too full, it like drains off towards the east and the west into the Everglades of Florida. Lake Okeechobee drains into the Everglades and sort of like supplies those with its water okay so depending on the rainfall that year the lake can be higher or lower when the lake is really high there's like no islands on it and there's like tons of space and you don't see as much of the grass when there's not a lot of rainfall then there's like lots of islands that appear and like things that you can only see when it's really dry you know what i like that that adds like a little haunted element to this location because i like the idea of hidden things like oh you can only see it if you go out to the full moon on the 29th of september and spin around and see the swamp which yes this is an occult lake yeah for sure (laughs) anything hidden like six months out of the year is intriguing to me. Well, the word occult means hidden. So I feel like Lake Okeechobee is an occult lake and someone needs to make some fan art of like Lake Okeechobee as like an occult lake, whatever that means to you. Do it. The Everglades have always been known to the locals as very mysterious and creepy. And Lake Okeechobee is sort of part of this Everglades ecosystem, despite the fact that it's not actually itself an Everglade. In the years prior to 1545, the indigenous people who lived near Lake Okeechobee were known as the Calusa Indians to locals. The Calusa called Lake Okeechobee Miami, which is where Miami gets its namesake from. That's Mr. 305's uh, home turf. It is. You're right. Maybe they should rename that lake Pitbull. Yeah, Pitbull Lake, an occult Pitbull Lake. Pitbull's Magic Lake. In 1564, two shipwrecked Spanish sailors referred to the lake as Sarope, which, is that a word in Spanish? S-A-R-R-O-P-E? No idea. Just a name, like they saw the lake and were like, Brittany. I'm sure it means that. Here, let's look it up right now. Yeah, there's a really easy solution. We used to play this game in acting class where, like, you would have to go the entire month without, like, looking up the answers to questions. And, like, everyone would just have to, like, try to, like, figure it out like olden times where you would just confidently say something incorrect and no one could correct you wow actually that sounds really nice (laughs) um no s-a-r-r-o-p-e is not a word in spanish so i don't know what it means maybe it was like the name of the boat or maybe it was the name of like a lake back home or someone's name i don't know yeah other accounts suggest that these shipwreck sailors referred to the lake as lake mayoko or laguna espirita santo Only somewhat recently has the name become Lake Okeechobee, which is a seminal word meaning big water. So, okay, so were there several different Native American tribes that populated this area? Because you just told me about the Calusa, and now you're saying they named it a seminal word instead of a Calusan word. So we don't have like a whole lot of records that to answer that question perfectly. We only really know what people like wrote down and remembered. However, 
based off of what people wrote down and remembered, there were a bunch of different groups here. Some of them like kind of like didn't fuck with the other ones. Like some of them were like, oh, we don't fuck with those. And some of them were like, oh, yeah, we fuck with those. Yeah. So sometimes you've got a bad neighbor on the right and like their dog won't shut the fuck up (laughs) and like their kids are annoying and you're like, why aren't they in daycare? And then on the other side, you've got this nice elderly couple that like (laughs) always smells like pies at their house, you know? (laughs) So I feel that. This area too, during the Indian Wars, uh, there was like a lot of different fighting going on and there was even some infighting going on between some of the tribes. So to answer your question, I don't know. Okay. The lake has always been a feature of strange stories and unusual happenings. And locals know that the tales of ghosts and lost treasure and monsters rumored to call Lake Okeechobee their home are every bit as real as the lake itself. Okay, now I see why you picked this story. Natalia famously is obsessed with treasure. I hope you're going to spend a lot of time talking about treasure. I really wanted to. And I like, I saw that in one of my sources that there was like stories of lost treasure here. And then I like searched for them for a long time and I couldn't find them. But that I never gave up hope. Like, I feel like there's lost treasure here. It's just maybe not like coins. It's something else. Oh, that's interesting. The treasure was inside of us all along. The real treasure are the pit bulls we met along the way. (laughs) Dolly. Have you ever heard of the ghost ship of the Everglades? No, but how could a ship sail through nine feet of water that Yao Ming's hand could reach above? Well, I'm so glad that you asked because I'm about to tell you. So there is this tale that has been passed down through oral tradition for like hundreds of years that everyone knows about. It's called the tale of the ghost ship of the Everglades. And it's about this ghost ship that was sailed by undead pirates. And a lot of people think that it was the inspiration for Pirates of the Caribbean. This is the tale of of Captain Captain Jack Sparrow. on the everglades yeah exactly and they think that that actually began in the everglades according to this legend this ghost ship of the everglades was said to have already been over 300 years old before it was published in a 1901 newspaper Wow. So I am going to read a little bit of that 1901 newspaper where we see the first published version of the story of the ghost ship of the Everglades. Oh, fuck yeah. I love primary sources. Regale me. I'm going to sit back in my chair. The story of the ghost ship of the Everglades starts near the Florida Keys with a chase on the high seas. The crew of a pirate ship spotted a merchant vessel far off in the distance and they began to chase that merchant ship, as pirates do. However, the merchant ship was not easy to catch. They were very experienced sailors, and they led the pirates on a long chase that continued for several hours. Once both ships were near the Florida Cape, the pirates finally managed to capture the merchant ship and force the merchant crew to surrender. The story continues in the New York Daily People, August 11th, 1901. Furious at the length of the chase and the brave resistance of the gallant crew of merchantmen, the pirate captain cruelly forced every one of the crew to walk the plank with fiendish ingenuity, keeping the skipper's wife to watch their fate and that of her brave husband. When the last of the crew had walked the plank, which was essentially a death sentence, 
the captain's heartbroken, captured wife became full of rage. The legend says the captain's wife fell onto her knees and raised her hands above her head, and she asked God to punish the pirates for their evil deeds. Quote, At that moment, a curling line of foam came sweeping down over the calm expanse and, lifting both the vessels in its embrace, carried them away. The tidal wave bore the pirate ship on its snowy crest. Across the sandy shallows, high over the beach above the tallest trees for miles, the great wave carried the pirates until it finally set it down in the center of the great pitiless solitude." End quote. The wave receded back into the sea, but left the pirate ship stranded in the twisting grasslands and channels of the Everglades. Unable to find their way out of the maze of water and grass, the pirates died from starvation and illness. They are now doomed to wander the Everglades as ghost pirates, forever searching for a way out. Quote, now the Indians and the hunters in the Everglades tell of seeing the pirate ship with rotting masts and hull, and with sails trying to find a channel out of the sawgrass pools into the deep blue waters of the sea, end quote. That's so sick. So basically you're telling me that this pirate ship saw a merchant ship in the distance and they were like, we're going to fuck this ship up. Yeah. They go over there, they kill the captain, but mm-hmm. they don't realize the captain's wife is bored. And then she does some magical shit because women are magical and just like washes them via a tsunami tidal wave all the way out of the ocean into the middle of this nine foot lake. And now they're like dead. Their ship is all crashed. And but their like undead ship and their ghostly remains are doomed to wander this lake forever because they can't find a channel back to the ocean. The only difference I felt like was in the story is that because this was in 1901, they put like a heavy emphasis on the fact that like the woman called unto God to do this for her. But God could have been a woman at that time and it could be the same thing. And then also the story is like, oh, these pirates, they died of starvation on their boat while they were trying to find a way out of the Everglades back into the ocean because Hmm. they just like all of a sudden tumbled into this place and were lost and they just assumed that they could find their way back to the ocean. Oh, interesting. But now they are in a Disney movie with Captain Barbosa. Yeah, and Captain Jack Sparrow. Who I name drop on this show too often. I've seen people tweet at us be like, does Allie only know Captain Barbosa from Pirates of the Caribbean? And I respond to that with, yes. Is that the guy with the tentacles or is that the guy That's Davy like, Jones. Okay, yeah. Captain Barbosa is the guy with like the gold teeth. Right, he's very piratey looking. Yeah, and then the, the moonlight washes over him and yeah, he's yeah, yeah. a okay. skeleton. And, yeah. Yeah, and he's gross. Yeah, I remember him from the first yeah. one. I like him. I don't know why. He's got kind eyes. (laughs) (laughs) As he's like locking Kira Knightley in a dungeon. You know what? Who wouldn't lock Kira Knightley in a dungeon? That woman's voice is atrocious. Really? That's so funny because I've literally never thought about her voice, but like I totally see your impersonation of her and I see it. Like her like mouth is really tight. Yeah. Yeah. It's full of marbles. Yeah. No, Kara Knightley's beautiful, very talented, love Pirates of the Caribbean. Unironically, love Pirates of the Caribbean. But I'm just saying Kiera's character 
Mm-hmm. In Pirates of the Caribbean, meh, didn't do much for me. Wow. Fighting words. You can always expect Allie to have a very hot take on this podcast. And I might just go rewatch Pirates of the Caribbean tonight. And then I'm sure tonight I'll be like, you know what? It actually was pretty good. I regret saying that. (laughs) People who spend time in Lake Okeechobee note that there's a heavy presence that occupies the space. People often report feeling ill or feeling like they're not alone, despite being the only people out on the lake. Some report feeling like they're being watched. There are tales of ancient monsters and spirits that lurk under the water's surface, possibly because the lake is home to several underwater ghost towns. (gasps) What do you mean? Underwater ghost town, like actual towns that yes. were washed over with water? Yes. So I am going to tell you about a hurricane that happened in 1928 that I had never heard of, but apparently it's like a really big fucking deal. So like I said in the beginning, people used to be like, oh, fuck this, like Southern Florida is a swamp, like fuck it, we're going to like conquer it and I'm going to like, you know, build houses on it and like, you know, become like a plantation master type person. And then that didn't work for any of them because this lake is like can't be tamed, essentially. Love it. People would build these towns in the uh, like on the shores of the lake and then a hurricane would happen or a heavy rain would happen and the lake would overflow or, or the hurricane would like knock down all of their shit and then their shit would be underwater, essentially. Wow. Okay. so this is cool to me because this is a naturally occurring lake. Yes. But there are towns at the bottom. So that that to me is cool. I don't think we've seen that yet. We've seen Lake Lanier, which was just when the government was like, fuck it, and flooded an entire town. Right. But this one is like a lake became more of a lake. It became an even bigger lake mm-hmm. because of nature. Right. Yeah. And swallowed up the man-made stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually people like just gave up on it because they were like, okay, our town has been underwater three times this year. Like, let's maybe like move on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're below sea level and that shit happens. Yeah. In 1928, a hurricane hit the shores of Lake Okeechobee. The Lake Okeechobee hurricane was the second most deadly hurricane in all of U.S. history. What? Have you ever heard of this hurricane? Say it again. The Lake Okeechobee hurricane. No. Yeah, this is crazy. It was a Category 5 hurricane that had winds sustained at over 160 miles per hour. The path of the hurricane went directly over Lake Okeechobee, which raised the water level so high that the resulting flood covered an area of hundreds of square miles with water in some places that was more than 20 feet deep. According to Wikipedia, quote, houses were floated off of their foundations and dashed to pieces against any obstacles encountered. In some houses, 20 to 30 people sought shelter inside and later stood on tables and chairs to remain above the water. Most of the houses were swept away into rows of pine trees and others more than half a mile away. Residents of Torrey Island did not have enough time to prepare for the storm. They tried to evacuate, but with the causeway already inundated, 23 people sought refuge in a packing house. Floodwaters entered the building, forcing the occupants into the rafters. The building was eventually pushed into a nearby canal. Ten people drowned, but 13 others survived by clinging to a barge or treetops, while one woman tied herself to a telegraph pole. 
Others who survived were swept far away from the original sites of the building and barge. A teenage boy was carried from the packing house to Everglades Experiment Station in Belle Glade, a distance of eight miles away. On Rita Island, a number of persons who had successfully climbed to the roof of their houses to escape floodwaters were struck by trees or received fatal bites from water moccasins. End quotes. Oh my God. So even if you don't drown, you get bit by a fucking snake. And that is why I don't fuck with swamps. It's like a haunted purgatory between land and water where you're just either too dry or too wet all the time. Like if you're a fish, you live in constant threat of all of the shit just fucking drying up and killing you. And if you're a bird with long legs that like uses a straw beak or some shit to sift through mud or whatever the fuck the swamp animals shit do i don't know you live in that constant threat of everything flooding and then your like super specific ecosystem is destroyed and it wipes out your whole species and if you're a human living in the everglades you build your house on fucking stilts like baba yaga and you live in a constant threat of getting bit by random bullshit then dying in the swamp and becoming a bog person Okay, well, that last part sounded cool. Becoming a bog person, that sounds cool. Everything else, horrible, horrifying. Floods are terrifying. Like, just the idea of... Because you're so helpless. Mm-hmm. The, I guess anything involving nature is terrifying. But floods, for some reason, like, just now, as I'm thinking about it, it's giving me the heebie-jeebies. Because it's like, what do you even do? I we can't I, do anything. We can't breathe underwater. We can't swim forever. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, I never understood the severity of floods until I saw this movie with Naomi Watts about the tsunami that happened in Thailand. I can't remember what it was called. It was fucked up. But because before then, I always thought like, I can swim. Like, how bad can a flood be? Like, you just get on top of some shit. And then like, if you fall off, you just like, don't drown because you just like keep your head above the water. But it's not like that. It's like the water. It's like a wave that comes. Like, I thought for some reason flooding would just be like, oh, when the shower floods and there's like water on the floor and it just like keeps rising. Right. But it's not like that. It's like a giant tidal wave. Forceful. Yeah. Full of debris. It's basically like giant wall of like sticks and houses and like electrical live wires just like rushing at you. Yeah. There's so many different kinds of danger. Like, yeah, like you said, uh, electrocution, um, being hit in the head by something, an animal coming up from the bottom and biting you, like drowning to death, Um, hypothermia, um, being swept away so fucking far that nobody finds you. Yeah, that kid that was swept away eight miles. Oh, my God. That is like... Floods are the perfect opportunity for a haunting. If that area was not already haunted, it sure as fuck is now because you're talking about all of these people who were not ready to die, who were not expecting to die, and people of all ages, so like children, and just like everybody just fucking dies. Like, you're fine. You're just living your life, living, maybe not living your dreams, but like you're living your life and you're like walking around and talking to people. And then all of a sudden, bam, like crazy fucking forceful wave comes and just murders you. It's murder by nature. I saw this thing on Unexplained Mysteries um, where they covered the tsunami in Japan. And they were talking about how after this tsunami happened and so many people died, people would see 
the spirits of those who had died in the tsunami just like walking around the town not knowing that they were dead and like there was a story of this taxi cab driver who gave a ride to a girl and when he turned around she wasn't there anymore and he realized she was a ghost and she had been soaking wet when he picked her up and it made no sense because it wasn't raining Mm -hmm. and then he was like fuck I just saw like the spirit of this drowned tsunami victim I went on that exact same rabbit hole you are talking about right now so I know exactly what you're talking about and I now my YouTube has only just now stopped doing this but for the longest time it was just amateur videos of people who were in Japan filming the tsunami so it would be like someone standing on the top level of like a random store looking out a window and they're filming from their from their camera their phone and they'll see like a car float by them and there will be like someone on top of the car like trying to figure out like how to get away and like one of them like the person on top of the car gets side swiped by a different car and falls into the water and just goes like out of the picture and you're just like you can't do anything that's what I mean it's so crazy like there's there's nothing you can do but I did learn I had to go to this like safety and flooding class because the Fillmore there was like a a dam in Fillmore in California in I think the 1940s or something and it broke and it washed away like a bunch of like farmers and farm workers and just random people that were in Fillmore so if you work at ranches in Fillmore you have to like go to these trainings and something that they did say was you need to like look around your neighborhood and figure out where the high ground is and FEMA.gov at least in the U.S. they actually have maps where they will show you where the highest point in your town is so you're supposed to look that up so that you know like what your risk is for your particular like job site and then where you can go where the closest place you can go is to get to high ground right and then also if you are in water and you're like floating you're supposed to float backwards so you're going to be on your back floating backwards head first that way you can see any obstacles that come your way like tree branches and stuff and either grab them or push them away (sighs) and you're never supposed to go under debris you're always supposed to go over debris because you can get caught under it. yes so you want to push the debris under you and then go over it as you're floating Oh, see, this is such valuable information because on this podcast, you not only get haunted, but now we've provided you with some information that could perhaps keep you from becoming a haunting. That's true. Turn around, don't drown. Just six inches of water can sweep your car away. That was another thing they said, and I have never forgotten it. Yeah, your job's fucking terrifying. (laughs) Why is that like a memorable quote? Like, I thought it was going to rhyme or something. It did. Turn around, don't drown. Just six inches of water can sweep your car away. Turn around, don't drown. Like, that part is catchy but the last part is just like something my mom would say to me you know yeah well now you know this the length of the average penis in the u.s that little amount of water can sweep your car away wow in the south bay nearly all of the houses were destroyed during this hurricane and several buildings became unroofed there were at least 160 fatalities in south bay the future first mayor of south bay aubrey aka orb or A.O. Walker, along with his brother, Hotty D. Walker, a.k.a. Hot, survived this great hurricane of 1928 by gathering their family members, and they just basically got on this giant barge in the canal. And there was, I guess, some of, like, residents or citizens were able to join them, and that allowed them to survive the floodwaters that swept over the South Bay that ultimately engulfed all of the area. And I just, like, wonder... I don't know, like who gets to decide who gets to go on the barge and who doesn't. Like, it's a terrible job. Their names were Orb and Hot. Yeah, I guess that. that I mean, that's cool. I feel like what happened Orb? to old timey names? Yeah. Yeah. Orb and Hot. Now we're all Brittany and Stephanie, which are good names. Don't get me wrong. But I would rather be named 
orb orb <laughs> than Alyssa. Are you kidding me? You never forget an orb. You might forget meeting an Alyssa, but you sure as shit never forget meeting orb. In Chosen, only two people escaped a house that had sheltered 19 people. 20 other residents had taken refuge in a building which lost its roof during the storm and forced the occupants to move to the restroom. There was also a house that was full of people that floated about half a mile from its original location, and everyone that was in that floating house didn't even know that the house was moving until it collided with a railroad embankment. Whoa, were they... And they were sober? Because that just, that's so scary to me. Like, you're in well, a house and you don't it's know. it's dark. So think about this. It's like a hurricane, right? It's essentially yeah. like a tornado with water. It's dark. I'm sure, like, the electricity cut out and you're just, like, the wind is moving everywhere. Yeah. And you're in this house. I guess that's true. And it just, like, everything feels like it's getting rocked and shook anyways. And, and you're you, scared. Your adrenaline's going. Yeah. Like, you you can't see anything out the windows. It's dark, I'm sure. <sighs> that's crazy. Afterwards, floodwaters persisted for several weeks, which impeded the attempts to clean up all of the devastation. Burial services quickly became overwhelmed, so many of these bodies had to be placed into mass graves. Around 75% of the fatalities were migrant farm workers. Many of them were black Americans, which made identification of the dead and the missing very difficult. As a result of this, the count of the dead is not very accurate, but the Red Cross estimated the number of fatalities as high as 1,836 people, which was taken as the official count by the National Weather Service for many years. However, older sources usually list the amount of fatalities as 3,411 because the hurricane's total count of fatalities included the Caribbean. However, as recently as 2003, the U.S. death count was revised to at least 2,500, which made the Okeechobee hurricane one of the deadliest natural disasters in the U.S. history. There's a mass grave at Port Mayaka Cemetery east of Port Mayaka, and it contains the bodies of over 1,600 victims of the hurricane. It still exists? Yeah. So this, I can't describe like how fucked this is so fucked yeah it's up. fucked so basically like i said this was an area that people were like oh it's a swamp drain swamp like who fucking cares plus you have like the majority of people who were working at this time in 1928 were migrant workers so there's not like very good record keeping of who was working and who wasn't and as we know like there was no hr department like during 1928 right. so i'm like you know not even really sure that like these people are accounted for at all right yeah there's no electronic timekeeping system where you like punch in with a badge with your face on it and then if you have a problem you call your HR rep and then I come out and like talk to you about not driving through six inches of water like that doesn't exist in the 20s yeah yeah so what happened with this hurricane is that it actually started in Puerto Rico at its peak strength and that took like at least 300 lives and then it like you wiped everything out so a bunch of people were homeless but the majority of the fatalities happened in South Florida off of Lake Okeechobee because that storm surge breached this dyke and it flooded like it basically like in Hurricane Katrina where the levee broke this was like similar situation like there was a dike that was supposed to be holding in water and the storm surge like breached it and then it flooded all of these areas horrifying horrifying but what makes lake okeechobee really haunted is that because we never found most of these victims we have no idea what's at the bottom of that lake there could be and probably are several of these victims of this hurricane. And then what makes it even more haunted is that most of the survivors 
were washed out into the Everglades and also a lot of the dead were washed out into the Everglades and then because there there's so much like wildlife there and alligators there and decaying happens so quickly in that environment a lot of these bodies were never found so this hurricane I want you to picture just it's like coming towards Lake Okeechobee and it's just full of like dead animals and dead people and debris and it's carrying like thousands of tons of debris spreading them out all over the Everglades like bodies tangled in trees well even if even if you somehow by some miracle survived the tsunami wave and you end up in the Everglades and you're all mangled and injured but you're alive and you're breathing and then a fucking gator just comes up and ends your life yeah it's the worst. Uh, I'm sweating. I don't like it. It's making me very nervous. Also, there's just like a bunch of mosquitoes and I hate that. Shit. Yeah, they. Yeah, it's bad. I heard that if you have negative blood, that mosquitoes bite you more than if you have positive blood. Really? Yeah. I heard too, like if you eat bananas, they like you. I've heard a bunch of things. Luckily, I feel like when I'm walking with someone else, the mosquitoes go to them and not me. So that's the solution. <laughs> Great. We'll just always make sure I'm walking with you. If we, if our listeners ever send us to Lake Okeechobee, I will be tore up from the floor up by mosquitoes. Oh, love that. So there's all of these migrant farm workers who are unaccounted for, and a lot of them end up being placed in a mass grave near the city's graveyard. And you're probably like, well, you already told me about this mass grave. Like, well, whatever, this is a fuck up. Like, delete this part. No, actually, this is like really haunted because for some reason that I don't, that I don't agree with, the migrant farm workers or unidentified bodies that they found or African-American bodies that they found were placed into a mass grave called a pauper's grave near the city's graveyard. Oh yeah, I've heard I've heard of pauper's graves. It's like if you don't know who somebody is, they get a pauper's burial. But these was just specifically for African Americans. So it's like there was a lot of different people who they couldn't identify them because the bodies were so badly oh, decayed. Oh. However, yes, this one was just for African Americans. So, was- so if they fished a corpse from the Everglades and it was a white corpse, they would give it a proper burial. But if it was... They would put it in one of these mass graves unless it was like someone's like rich aunt that like, you know, they knew or whatever. But like a lot of these bodies got put into a mass grave. They, they just made a mass grave for the African-Americans that was separate from the other white unidentified bodies. Oh, yeah. No, that's super fucked. I mean, it's fucked anyway on so many levels. Like, we've got classism in this story. We've got racism in this story. We've got haunted shit. It's just hauntings everywhere you turn. Well, it's about to get a lot more intense. So I've already described this like hurricane. It's massive. It comes in and it fucks everything up. There's dead bodies washed out everywhere. The haunted thing about this is that the survivors of this giant hurricane now had to clean up the debris themselves. And that's the, fucked. the health department had ordered the residents at the lake to just burn bodies that they found because they were like, there's so many bodies. We need to prevent like uh, disease spreading or prevent oh like bad shit happening. So just get bodies, pile them up and like have a giant bonfire bonfire. Oh my yeah. God. And now you're talking about traumatizing just like everyday citizens that have already been traumatized by surviving this flood. Yeah. 
the bodies of deceased agricultural workers were piled onto trucks and they had them hauled to West Palm Beach to be placed in a mass grave at what is now Tamarind Avenue and 25th Street. Oh my God. That mass grave remained unmarked for 75 years. It was just a piece of haunted land with like 700 bodies in it and no explanation until 2003 there was this guy named Robert Hazard which is a very cool that's fitting name fucking that's a porn name he worked with this nonprofit called the Storm of 28 Memorial Park Coalition and side by side they fought for 10 years to create this memorial and fence around the mass grave and finally in 2003 the city placed a state historical marker at the location what was his name Ron Hazard Robert Hazard. Robert Hazard. Go Robert. Natalia is showing me some pictures of a marker, a gravestone marker. This marker says, this statue is to honor the early Glades pioneers and the more than 2,000 persons who lost their lives in the disastrous 1928 hurricane. Bell Glades Centennial Committee, May 31st, 1970. Is that what that says? 1976? And then it says, so now we have one of those like little infomercial signs that sometimes you see on the side of the road on the East Coast. And it says, Hurricane of 1928 Mass Burial Site. On September 16th, 1928, a hurricane came ashore near the Jupiter Lighthouse and traveled west across Palm Beach County to Lake Okeechobee. This deadly hurricane destroyed hundreds of buildings and left millions of dollars in property damage. Many of the 1,800 to 3,000 fatalities occurred when the Lake Okeechobee Dyke collapsed flooding the populated south side of the lake. Approximately 1,600 victims were buried in a mass grave in Port Mayaca in Martin County. In West Palm Beach, 69 white victims were placed in a mass grave in Woodlawn Cemetery, and approximately 674 black victims were buried in a mass grave in the city's Popper's Burial Field in Tamarind Avenue and 25th Street. Many others proclaimed an hour of mourning for the victims, with memorial rites conducted simultaneously at each of the burial sites. 2,000 persons attended the ceremonies at the Poppers Cemetery, where noted black educator and activist Mary McLeod Bethune read the mayor's proclamation. The mass grave at Woodlawn Cemetery was subsequently identified by a marker. This burial site was not again recognized until 1991, when a Yoruba Nigerian religious ceremony was held there. And then the next picture Natalia is showing me is of this fenced off patch of grass. It's like dead patchy grass in just a square of it. And I that's where the mass grave was dug. That's fucking haunted. It's just right by a street. People are driving by every day and they had no clue that they were driving by there until Mr. Hazard like got everyone to put a marker. Yeah, that's so fucked. I feel like just based off of what I've been reading, too, there's probably other unmarked graves because this hurricane overwhelmed this city. So I feel like they were just trying to get rid of bodies. You know, they were burning them. They're just burying stuff wherever it was. Like, if you're some person who lives out in the middle of nowhere and, like, a dead body washes ashore and you hear over the radio or read in the newspaper, like, hey, this carries disease with it, like, get rid of it you're just going to do that, you know? Right, right. You might not have the time or have the know-how to, like, go through the fucking bureaucracy to, like, fight for, to get this, like, unknown, like, claimed. Like, 
who has the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, to your point, there could have been some people who found bodies and they were like, I don't have the heart to burn these people, but there's clearly nobody to help me identify them. So I'm just going to bury them here on my right. property or bury them in the Everglades or right. maybe Viking burial. Right. Or or burn them and scatter the ashes. Like, right. wow, there's no telling how many people are just like lost. It's horrifying. Yeah. yeah. So look at these photos. These are, I'll let you describe them, but these photos are from the aftermath of the Lake Okeechobee hurricane. So the first one. Okay, so Natalia is showing me a series of four black and white photos. The first two are yellowed with age. And the first one shows a lot of like old timey model Ford, T model Ford, model T Fords. Yeah. Um, and they have like the back is just loaded up with these pine boxes. Those are coffins. And it says, yeah, the caption says caskets for the victims of the storm, Bell Glade, Florida. It's just horrifying. The next one is absolutely scarring. Um, there is just the body of what appears to be a... I can't even tell. I actually don't even know. It's just a human body. And there's these two guys on a little tiny boat. And they're paddling over next to this woman. I'm. A, it looks like a woman to me. Just like a woman's body. Just like bloated and full of gas. Had floated up to the top of the lake. And they're just there to fish her out. It's pretty horrifying. Mm-hmm. And then the next one shows a bunch of bodies that are laid out on the shore of the lake. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're in rigor mortis. So their limbs are just like frozen, outstretched in the position that they were in when they died. Then the next one shows all of these pine boxes just on fire. And it says drowned victims coffins being burned at sand cut near Canal Point, Lake Okeechobee, 1928 hurricane. Yes. Horrifying. Oh, my God. This story is fucking terrifying. Yeah, these these photos are really hard to look at. But if you guys want to look at them because you're fucked up and you like this podcast, you can go to at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram. So there's a couple other photos in here. This one is a photo of the newspaper and it says Hurricane Sweeps Florida. 1,000 are dead in Puerto Rico. And it shows, like, a trail of where the hurricane went through. And then the next one is just, yeah, like, houses floating, destruction, flooding. Like, it's so weird. You, It looks like just a neighborhood, but instead of ground, there's water. I, I, I think I've found a new phobia. I think here in California, we haven't really ever had to deal with, you know, too many floods. Like, you know, I told that story of the Fillmore flood, but I wasn't alive then. Yeah. So just seeing all of these pictures is giving me it really is giving me the heebie-jeebies just the idea of being in this cold frigid water full of debris and then you just die it's i'm like spiraling right now so remember from the last episode the last episode that i did there was like this time capsule thing with like the georgia guidestones guidestones yeah the georgia guidestones and it was like time capsule they also made a storm time capsule of this storm now i I don't know what this is. Do you know what this is? A storm time capsule? Did they just take pieces of debris and like clippings from newspaper articles and stick them in a time capsule? (sighs) The little sign on it says, The storm of 1928 time capsule entered September 16th, 2008 by the city of West Palm Beach to be opened September 2028. I feel like a lot of the stuff we do nowadays is making up for how like fucked up everything was not that long ago, you know? So maybe like 
now that Mr. Hazard, like, I keep forgetting his first name, so I'm just going to keep calling him Mr. Hazard. He, like, realized this was fucked up, and I'm sure a lot of people thought it was fucked up, but he had the initiative, the drive, the gumption to be like, you know what? I'm going to go and sign a bunch of petitions and make a fuss so we can get this mass grave marked as it should be. And, you know, maybe his organization that he founded went on to, like, bother enough people at local government level to be like, we need to make sure this never happens again. We need to make sure that all these people that died and their bodies were burned and we don't even know who they are because we didn't even have the respect to keep good like records for people that were transitory migratory had migratory work we didn't even have the respect back then to like honor them so now we need to like fucking have this sad ass time in history preserved forever in a time capsule Mm -hmm. so that people can look at it and be like wow that was really terrible we did like absolutely nothing to help any of the people that were killed And we can never have history repeat itself. I'm going to play a few of these storm stories for you. So this video is by Offbeat Minds, and it is called Storm Stories 1928 Hurricane. It's been called the Forgotten Hurricane. It has been forgotten, and there was a really deliberate effort to forget about it. The blacks were put in one section, and the whites were put in another section. Now, Forbes isn't taking any chances. He tells his pregnant daughter, 23-year-old Alice Forbes Mutchler, to bring her seven-month-old baby, Marion, to the only safe spot in town, the local barge. My father, he was a boat man, he had been around boats for years, and he knew how to handle them, and he knew that's the only thing that was going to float, was a boat. Nearly 200 other white townspeople joined them, the black migrant workers, are left to fend for themselves. Most of the people in the city were on the boat. It's the ones who were in outlying areas that didn't get on. Preston lives near the railroad tracks in a segregated area called Colored Town. Preston's father orders everyone to flee outside to the only concrete building in the neighborhood, the city garbage incinerator. The wind was moving in a kind of a whirling way. Nobody stood up like this because if you stood erect, the wind would have a chance of blowing you back. Sometimes you make one one step forward and they blow you back like that, but there was encouragement. Oh, come on, let's go. Everybody was encouraging you, so you couldn't stop it. Many of the houses nearly collide with the barge. You didn't realize, really, uh, how terrible it was. And if we had seen all the debris uh, coming at us, it would have scared us to death. It wasn't like kindling going this way and that. It was whole houses that was coming down at you. Vernie Boots, his family, and dozens of white farmers and black migrant workers are trapped in a neighbor's house. I could touch the water with my foot sitting on a rafter in the ceiling of the building. That's how high the water got. My mom, we knew, was gone, and my dad was gone. And then I had a brother just younger than me, and he was gone. They don't really give much attention to this hurricane because it didn't didn't kill a lot of white people. It did kill a lot of black people. 
the reason that so many people died is because they weren't prepared for it. The reason that a lot of people didn't prepare for it is because the storm was downplayed by the local media. Mm. So there would be some reports that were like, oh, the hurricane is coming. Everyone pack up and leave. Like, this is going to be a big deal. And then there were other reports that were like, oh, the hurricane is like, hasn't come yet. So let's not report on it. It's not interesting. So people were getting like conflicting news. And so they thought it like wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, I feel like that's something we still wrestle with today, right? Like now everything's about clickbait, but there are definitely like certain news sources that will downplay wars or pandemics or just like issues in general and be like it's not that big of a deal don't worry about it and then there's other news sources that'll be like you're all gonna die immediately like and so and so people just like stop reading the news right exactly totally yeah so back in the day it sounds like the problem was more that everyone was downplaying it but now I mean you know sometimes making stuff into a huge giant panic deal also ends up downplaying it because now we feel like we can't trust our news right what were these people supposed to do let's say that they knew that there was this big hurricane coming a lot of these people are working migrant jobs and they don't really have the resources to just up and leave all of a sudden and then plus what are they going to do tell their boss like hey I heard that there might be a hurricane here like I know it's bright and sunny out and I should be like doing work but actually I'm going to leave then your boss would just be like okay fuck you there's like a million other like migrant workers that will replace you right yeah and then plus they were saying that like the highways were because during a hurricane there's so many people trying to get out that like the highways are just like Backed up. Backed up. Some of those ghost towns still exist, like Okilanta, which is just off of U.S. Route 27 and Palm Beach County Road 827. In 1920, Okilanta had a population of just 200. But after the hurricane, a lack of investors halted any rebuilding attempts. The abandoned Gatorama is still standing today, and locals believe that these ghost towns like Okilanta are haunted, perhaps by the souls who are lost and wander them. Or are the standing structures tethered to something so evil that it could not be washed away? Stories of teens practicing rituals and attempting necromancy in these structures are rife within the local folklore. Who are they trying to necromance? I don't know, like the gators, the people who worked there. You know, I don't know what it is about teenagers, but like, why do they like try to summon the dead? For real. Yeah. Have, if we Boys have learned, will be boys. <laughs> yeah. If we have learned anything from this podcast, it's don't try to summon the dead. A hundred percent of the time it turns out real bad. Okay. So Natalia is showing me some pictures of Gatorama. So this is like um, an old concrete building. It's super faded. Um, I'm seeing it says like live alligators and faded paint on the side. Uh, the other side says Gatorland. So like a lot of these towns that were surrounding Lake Okeechobee, there were like tourist attractions because if you weren't using the land to like farm stuff, people were trying to like have these little tourist attractions there. They right. were like, come see the biggest fish, you know? Yeah, make a living somehow. Yeah, exactly. Like come see these alligators, whatever. But then after the hurricane some of these places just like are left there and it's so creepy you know there's like an old bank that's closed up that no one goes into anymore that failed and there's like this Gatorama place and just leaving the hauntings out looking at that bitch like you're gonna get chiggers you're gonna get ticks you're gonna get bit by mosquitoes maybe bit by snakes yes exactly like it's already just like has 
It's just too, it's too much grass. If anybody's interested in abandoned places, I recently followed the subreddit r slash, I think it's called abandoned porn. And it's literally like urban explorers that go into these abandoned places and just take pictures. And it's the craziest shit. It's like, here's the abandoned ward of like a child you know, orphanage mortuary that like later was shut down because uh, found it was like found that people were abusing the orphans there. Like how much more haunted could a place be? Right. Also, I want to drive home just because I'm going to get on my soapbox right now. I also follow that subreddit and there's also one that's just abandoned places that I like too. And I read on there that someone had like gotten seriously injured because they were going to take pictures in one of these places and just fell through the roof. Like like they, oh they fell God. through the floor into something else and got seriously injured. So I'm just saying, you guys, be really careful. Like, if you're going to do that stuff, just know that, like, that shit is condemned for a reason. Um, I saw a person the other day that I hadn't seen in, like, six years. And I don't know her super well. I just saw her in line for something in downtown Oxnard. And I was like, oh, hey, like, oh, my God, like, what's up? Haven't seen you in six years. And I'm like, oh, are you still working for the fire department or whatever? And she was like, no, I fell through a roof about... Mm, four or five years ago and like you know hurt myself pretty bad but so now I'm a shaman and that's just what I've been doing for the last couple years and I was like holy fuck that's like a crazy character arc right like to go from firefighter to falling through a roof to now you're a shaman and she was like if you want to do ayahuasca this weekend let me know and I was like in Oxnard (laughs) I'm sorry but I cannot think of one person who is less likely to want to do ayahuasca than you okay first of all I have diarrhea naturally no need to add a psychedelic into the equation second of all I will absolutely die and third of all why would you want to do ayahuasca in Oxnard? No disrespect <laughs> to anybody who like that's their thing, but I live in Oxnard and there's no way I'm going to be doing ayahuasca and like walking into the Walmart. Having some sort of like life altering psychedelic experience in your hometown is just going to be the worst trip ever. Yeah, cause... you're just like in a concrete city and like walking. Oh, there's the Amazon packing facility, like <laughs> polluting our skies and I'm on ayahuasca shitting my pants. Like, no. But that girl was very nice on the off chance she's listening to this good for you for that character arc slay come on the podcast yeah so creepy is the feeling of lake okeechobee that in 1956 a pilot who was flying over the northern end of the lake reported seeing enormous tracks in the mud tracks so large and distinct looking that he swore they were dinosaur tracks what Could these tracks finally be the proof of the ancient monster living in the lake? Upon closer inspection, the tracks turned out to be dredging machine tracks from a previous canal attempt. There have been several tales which began and ended similarly to the pilot's story. However, some stories have turned out to be absolutely true and even left us with physical evidence. Have you ever heard of the Okeechobee Bones? The Okeechobee Bones? That's not where I thought you were going to go with this. I thought you were going to say the Okeechobee Dinosaur. So now I'm even more fucking intrigued because I'm like, what are these bones? Are they sentient? 
Who do they belong to? What do they belong to? Educate me, please. Yeah. So there's like this local folklore about there being a Lake Okeechobee monster and there, but there's been no like physical proof of it so far. A lot of people just say like, like it's just a tale that goes on. However, there's a tale that happens to have physical evidence. So I want to focus on that one, which is the Lake Okeechobee bones. So among the many tales that haunt the lake, no story is less understood than the story of the Okeechobee bones. According to the legend, a fisherman was out fishing on the lake when the sun had begun to set. The fisherman headed into the docks to call it a day, but was surprised to hear the sound of yelling and drums coming from the distance. Believing it to be a few partygoers who were having a good time with their friends, the fisherman continued on back towards home. However, When he approached the ruckus, he noticed the party was not the typical lake party. There were what appeared to be members of the Seminole tribe dancing on the banks of Lake Okeechobee. The fisherman squinted his eyes to try to make out what he was seeing. Yes, it was a group of indigenous people dancing. The fisherman, intrigued, sped up to get closer to the dance as he had never seen anything like it before. Perhaps there was some sort of cultural ceremony or festival taking place on the lake? But when the fishermen neared the dancers, they vanished into thin air. Were these the restless spirits of Seminoles who had fought in the Battle of Okeechobee? Or perhaps the ghosts were connected to a more ancient tribe? Several fishermen who had lived during the early 1900s told tales of pulling up their fishing nets, expecting to haul in fish, but were surprised when they pulled in human skulls instead. The locals who heard those creepy tales dismissed the fishermen's stories as tall tales. However, in the years before 1910, the earliest pioneers in the area were shocked when human skeletons became exposed in the shallow edges of the southern end of the lake. It's reported that the early settlers who discovered the skulls in the shallows exclaimed, quote, during low water, it looked like a pumpkin patch, end quote. Oh, my God. So that's a cool visual. I mean, that's like a fucked up, crazy, haunted, cool visual. Because you told me that this lake has, depending on rainfall, different things are exposed. Right. Right. So if assuming that like the water level's high, you're not going to see these bones. Right. But then the water level starts to dip and all of a sudden the fishermen that are normally out there fucking fishing look out into the distance and just glistening in the moonlight are these like white skulls. Mm-hmm. And it, there were so many of them that it looked like a pumpkin patch. Yeah, that's exactly that what I'm telling cool. you. That is cool. That is like a very cool haunted visual. Like you can't make that shit up for a novel. No, it's scary. That's like the cover of one of those like R.L. Grimes books or whatever. What's that guy's R. name? R.L. Stein. Yeah. R.L. Grimes. R.L. Grimes is just uh, uh, Grimes's um, pen name. <laughs> R.L. Stein. Goosebumps, yeah. right? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, that's what I meant to say. In fact, a land clearing survey on the grassy island which is one of those islands that shows up when the t- when the water's low during these early 1900s exposed upwards of 50 human skeletons that were only covered by a few inches of sand leading researchers to assume that these were not dry land burials grassy island is not a natural island it's only exposed when water levels are lowered by drainage canals therefore these human skeletons would have been on the lake bottom not an island 
In 1918, the water at Lake Okeechobee dropped to the lowest recorded level, which revealed hundreds of human remains that were covered in silt near the northern sides of Rita and Creamer Islands. There appeared to be no specific order to the remains, as both the bones of children and adults were haphazardly scattered along the lake bottom. In an article for WeirdUS.com, the author of Weird Florida details some of the local experiences in finding human remains in the lake. The article reads, quote, Local fisherman Willis Crosby used to catfish in Lake Okeechobee and shared his story with me about finding half a dozen human skulls in 1953 just lying in the mud on Observation Island. Quote, there were a bunch of other bones scattered all over the bottom. I guess they were human. Everybody said that they were Indian bones. It was pretty much common sight when the water was down, end quote. The Okeechobee bones can be found in the area extending from Creamer Island to Observation Island, as well as a large area between the islands and the mainland. So I want you to picture just this lake, like lowering, getting, getting, like revealing these random islands that some of them have ghost towns on them. Some of them have history of just being littered with human remains from the 1928 Lake Okeechobee hurricane. But then on top of that, there are these ancient skeletons, like ancient remains that are exposed because after the hurricane, they had to build a dike that was like strong enough to keep another Lake Okeechobee hurricane disaster from happening. Because of that alteration of the lake's like natural ecosystem of like flowing out to the Everglades, they've now contained that, right? So that it can't like overflow and like fuck up everything. But doing that has now revealed that there are just like tons of bodies on the bottom of this lake. Yeah, and I mean, it sounds like you were saying that even when the white settlers were there and they're like, we got to figure out a way to drain the swamp, they were also finding these mysterious bones and they didn't know what they were either, right? That's what you said? Yeah, yeah. They, so, it, so it can't just be from the flood victims. No, because they were, it was as early as like the 19, early 1900s before the hurricane. There was already stories of fishermen who had seen some of these bones and there was already pioneers who were like, oh yeah, it was like a pumpkin patch. Right. Well, the pioneers would have been like 1700s, right? 16, the pioneers 17? of this lake. Oh, okay. Yeah, not like the pioneers that were like in the covered oh, wagons. Oh, okay, okay. So the covered wagon folks, yeah. they did not see the bones. Or we don't know if they I saw I mean, the bones. they could have, but we didn't hear about it. Okay, so 1900s is when we first started hearing about the bones. But this was still before this crazy ass flood that murdered everybody in the 1920s. Yes. So the 1900s is where when people are like, oh, this is we're, we're going to drain the swamp and we're going to do agriculture. Gotcha. Like gotcha, everyone gotcha. was like super into that. Like in the 1900s, they were all like, I'm going to start a town. And that's when we got that where I feel like the early pioneers from the 1700s or whatever would like see this giant lake and be like, fuck, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like we don't know how to deal with it so we're just gonna go adjacent to this lake yeah they would be like control of water like what are you talking yeah. about it's water <laughs> so some of these theories as to like what these bones are 
range from perhaps it was an ancient hurricane and that these were the victims of ancient hurricanes because before 1900 there were very few residents living near Lake Okeechobee which would eliminate the skeletons belonging to the victims of flooding or storms. However, according to reports, there are estimated over 1,000 remains in the lake bottom. Some reports suggest multiple thousands because there's really no way to know what they're not seeing. So no archaeologist has like come and dug up some bones and done like carbon dating on them or anything? Some of them have and we'll, we'll get to that. But like they're so decayed that they can't get like a good handle on exactly how old they are. Okay, gotcha. So they're like, oh, these are between... Between 500 to 1,000 year old. Oh, shit. Some theories suggest that perhaps these bodies were from the Seminole War because during the 1837 Battle of Okeechobee, there was a small skirmish that took place on the northern end of the lake. And according to the records, the death toll was only 30 people, which doesn't account for the thousands of skeletons on the lake bottom. So I think we can rule that out. Or maybe it's just like, yeah, those are some of the bones, but yeah. like there's way too many for that to be the only culprit. Mm -hmm. Some people think perhaps these belong to Spanish conquistadors because the Spanish colonization of Florida perhaps would account for some of these. However, historians note that there are no early known Spanish connections to account for those skeletons. And other historians believe that the bones are like way predating the Spanish period by over a thousand years. So that's unlikely. Some theorize that this is actually like an ancient Indian village and that the bones are residents of that ancient Indian Indian village, which was ruined by tribal warfare or perhaps disease. This theory accounts for the children and the adult bones. However, there are no signs of a village like artifacts or pottery, and it appears that the bones are uniquely isolated at the bottom of the lake bed, which leaves really no other clues behind other than their own eerie presence. However, during my own research, I came across a tribe that perhaps could fit the bill for the Okeechobee bones, the Calusa were a group of people who lived on the shores of southwest Florida and they controlled most of South Florida. The population was estimated to be as many as 50,000 people so they had enough. The men were tall and they had long hair and they had been described as being warlike and fierce and the name Calusa means fierce people slay. The first Spanish explorers in the area noted in their messages home during 1513 that the Calusa were not very friendly their words, not mine. Additionally, the Calusa didn't construct walls for their homes. Instead, they built their villages on stilts to account for flooding. They also didn't farm like other tribes in Florida. They fished for food using shells, and they also used shells as like their jewelry. They used shells as like their eating utensils. They basically used shells for anything. Um, some people actually call them the shell Native Americans. They didn't make pottery, and instead they used shells for spearfishing as well. Apparently, these fierce sailing people have died out in the late 1700s due to infighting and disease such as smallpox and measles, but perhaps they could account for some of the bodies because uh, they, we wouldn't find artifacts because if they just used shells, it would just look like there were shells in the lake. Their houses were built on stilts, so perhaps they were destructed 
and like floating on top of the water and decayed and they didn't get buried underneath. I don't know. I'm not like a fucking professional person. (laughs) I think it's a good hypothesis because... You know, like one of the things you were saying is, oh, maybe these are the bones of indigenous people. Oh, no, but actually they couldn't possibly be because there's no like arrowheads and artifacts and pottery and jewelry. But if this particular like group of people used what they could find around them, Mm -hmm. then it would be very normal to find like shards of worn down shell Mm -hmm. in a lake, right? So maybe we are seeing the remnants of the... Would you say Calusa? Calusa. Of the Calusa civilization. And we just don't recognize them as that because we're like, oh, it's just, you know, like shells. Right. Yeah. But little did we know that it's actually a beautiful necklace. That's right. Some theories suggest that this is perhaps an underwater burial site and it's a mass grave. Several indigenous ancient cultures include underwater ceremonial burials or rituals around death, including water. For example, Viking burials consisted of sending a body out on a burning boat over water and some aboriginal burials anchored bodies to lake bottoms. And that could explain why so many skeletons exist at the bottom of Lake Okeechobee. However, the absence of order or other ceremonial items and artifacts seems to make it unlike other ceremonial mass graves. So IDK, basically. Now, this one is mass suicide. It's sad, but it's interesting. So I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Do it. According to a legend noted by the author of Weird Florida, in February of 1841, 200 Seminoles were about to be captured by the U.S. Army. According to this legend, the Seminoles committed mass suicide by slitting their own throats and flinging themselves into the lake. Wow. The story continues with a medicine man putting a hex on the entire area, which is known today as the Curse of the Everglades. There are no surviving historical records to support this exact event. However, there were several battles taking place between the Seminoles and the U.S. Army during what is now known as the Seminole Wars or the Florida Wars. According to Wikipedia, quote, The Seminole Wars, also known as the Florida Wars, were three related military conflicts in Florida between the U.S. and the Seminole citizens. Hostilities commenced about 1816 and continued through 1858 with two periods of uneasy truce between active conflict. The Seminole Wars were the longest and most expensive in both human and financial costs to the United States of the American Indian Wars. During the Second Seminole War, which took place 1835 to 1842, the U.S. voided the Treaty of Moultrie Creek and demanded all the Seminoles to relocate to Indian Territory, which is now present-day Oklahoma. Seminole fighters were at a disadvantage in both numbers and tactics, which forced the Seminoles to engage in guerrilla warfare that only irritated the U.S. Army, which had outnumbered them. The U.S. Army, which was frustrated by the guerrilla warfare tactics of the Seminoles, instead began to destroy Seminole livestock, homes, farms, and supplies in order to starve them out. The U.S. Army also violated the rules of war by luring Seminole leaders out with treaties under false flags of truce only to murder them, end quote. So perhaps the mass suicide could have taken place during these wars, but there's not a surviving record of the event. Seems likely to me, though. So did you know that that's called agro-terrorism, destroying um, a group's livestock? What? We also have to get trained on this at work (gasps) every year. 
Um, okay, so agroterrorism is super interesting. I promise this will be like a minute, 30 seconds. No, top. this is interesting. Okay. After 9-11, when the U.S. Army or who the fuck ever, U.S. military invaded the caves that Al-Qaeda was hiding in, they infiltrated those caves. Al-Qaeda was already gone. But they'd left in such a hurry that they had left behind like papers and computers and all these files that they had been studying. And when the military was going through these files, they realized that a backup plan to 9-11, if 9-11 didn't work out, like flying a plane into all these um, landmarks in the U.S., if that didn't work out, they were going to be flying planes over the Midwest where there's a lot of agriculture and poisoning, like spraying poison over all of the plants. Um, and crops in that area so that our country would just be like super starved and weak and we would lose faith in our government and mm-hmm. we would have to like be relying on foreign countries for all of our food. And that like really spurred the U.S. Senate to have all these hearings on agroterrorism. And as a result, anyone who works on a farm now has to go to these classes on agroterrorism. And we have to do trainings on it every year. And we talk about all the ways that we can avoid agroterrorism in the workplace. Like the training for this um, obviously is like a lot. So you don't have to tell me all of it. But is it basically like how to spot like a spy or a terrorist working amongst you to poison things? Or is it like how to tell what plane going over is normal or like what, what how how can you prevent it? You're just one person, you know? It's, yeah, it's a good question. It's really hard because a farm, obviously, you can't have walls around a farm. You know, it's like an open space. So anybody can just wander on and people do. And then you end up with people trying to stab you or like people with swords that are just hanging out if you guys don't know what i'm talking about you got to listen to every single episode i'm not going to tell you which one it was yeah so the stuff they really talk about is um traceback callback so traceback callback is like if somebody gets sick from eating a like crop so you have to be able to say okay did it go through a restaurant or did it go through a supermarket you have to go through there and see like did anybody touch the food there that could have been sick okay if no then you go back to like the trucking system that trucked in that product to the store or restaurant okay did it happen there yes or no okay then you would go back to like the packing house did it happen there yes or no if no then you got to go back to the field and then you have to find out what ranch what block and what crew and what employee touched that particular piece of food so you have to so a lot of what they do for agroterrorism is related to food safety and so they they basically just want you to know who is on the property at all times so all employees need badges that have their photo you have to be able to punch everybody in you have to have certain controls to make sure like if somebody wanders onto the field you have to like kick them off if they won't get off then like you have to have a process in place to where like you force the person off, which leads to a lot of conflict because it's people like me and my coworker that have to go out there and deal with people that won't leave. And so then we have like people with swords and stuff. Such a high stress job. And it's so weird because I feel like I know it's not, but I feel like farming is like sort of adjacent to gardening and like people who <laughs> garden, are, it's like so chill and relaxed. It's so different. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's like people need to chill the fuck out. Like leave us on. alone. If you guys, if you see a pretty farm on the side of the road, don't be that fucking bitch that is like, I want a photo frolicking through the sunflowers because, bro, you're making some poor HR person's life miserable. Mm. And you're also making whatever crew is working in that area, you're making their life miserable and you're adding stress because yeah. now you're a terrorist. Yeah, you could be a terrorist. You could be poisoning the water well. You could be uh, exploding the fertilizer tanks. You could be poisoning the crop. 
Mm. And like, we don't fucking need that. Please leave right. us the fuck alone and get your food from the grocery store or from the farmer's market or from a stand on the side of the road. But do not take it upon yourself to enter a field and just like start going ham. Oh, that was such a great place to put the patriotic music again. <laughs> I just love you for that. You give us so many opportunities. So some people think that perhaps like after that mass suicide seminal legend story I just told that this could be related to the curse of the Everglades that the medicine man supposedly put this hex on this area. There's several events that seem to support that theory that there is a curse on the Everglades like there were two major airplane crashes that took place over the lake. In 1972, there was an Eastern Airlines Flight 401, which was leaving Miami for New York on December 29, 1972. The plane had been full of holiday travelers, but apparently there was an electronic failure and a pilot error caused the plane to crash into the Everglades only 19 miles northwest of Miami International Airport. Investigators later determined that the whole crew had been distracted with a front landing gear issue, and they didn't realize that they were slowly getting closer and closer to crashing into the Everglade. 75% of the people on board were killed. After the wreck, Eastern Airlines used parts of the wreckage of Flight 401 to build and rebuild other planes in their fleet. And soon after, paranormal events happened on the flights which had cannibalized the wreckage of Flight 401. In the 1976 book, The Ghost Flight of 401, some of these paranormal events are recorded. According to the book, crewmen on an Eastern Airlines flight from Atlanta, Miami, found a uniformed crew member who was already occupying their crew seat. Confused, the crew member thought perhaps that they were somehow double booked or had boarded the wrong plane. However, the crew quickly recognized that the uniformed crew member was not of this world, as the man said, quote, you don't need to worry about the pre-flight, end quote, and then vanished into thin air. The crewman quickly realized that he actually recognized that ghostly stranger to be Don Repo, who had been the flight engineer and one of the 101 people who had died on Flight 401. In the year that followed, stories accumulated of ghost crews of 401 who were visiting living flight crews, attendants, and passengers who all had sightings of Repo and even Captain Bob Loft on eastern planes. The ghost crews always warned of impending issues in an effort to assuage their guilt. So you're telling me that a there a, sorry I, everyone who knows anything about me knows I'm terrified of flying so this is causing me to spiral even further down this like dark deep hole of anxiety. So there was a plane that crashed in this area and then the airline was like well, that really sucks. But you know what we could do? We could just take all these pieces and build a new plane, like a weird fucking Frankenstein plane <laughs> using these pieces. And we'll just like, you know, planes are expensive. And even though clearly something was wrong with this plane and that's why it crashed, we're going to take all these damaged pieces, hammer out the kinks <laughs> and then weld them onto this other plane yeah. and maybe a couple planes. Who knows? Let's go crazy. Right. And then now all of the like flight attendants and passengers and crew of these like crazy Frankenstein planes get on and every once in a while they'll see the dead members of the flight that crashed. Yeah, like they're still wearing their uniform and they're always talking about, like they're trying to participate. So they're saying like, you don't need to worry about doing the the pre-flight examination. 
See, this is, I'm sorry to our listeners if it seems like I'm repeating a lot of things back to Natalia, but it's because I literally cannot believe some of these stories. I'm like, wait, like, is this real? So after this book came out, Eastern Airlines was like, no, no, that's not true. We didn't do that. And they, they like, supposedly that's when the paranormal events stopped. But some people say that perhaps that they were just like pretending like they didn't do that because like you said doesn't make sense that if there was faulty airplane mechanics yeah to reuse that stuff it like, just looks bad even if the pieces were totally fine yeah it just looks bad yeah it's like if a car crashed like if my chevy colorado crashed off the side <laughs> of a cliff and then like search and rescue came and like pulled the wreckage up and towed it away to a fucking junkyard and then chevy just goes sends a representative to the junkyard and is like you know what we'd actually like to take the steering wheel the pedals and the uh shifter and the back right hubcap, and we would right. like to take those and make a new truck with it. Yeah, I also feel like as an airline, you really don't want your potential like passengers, your clients, to be thinking that your planes crash. Right. And like, what could make what could make people think more of airplane crashes than like stories of there being ghosts aboard your airplanes be- from oh, a crash? Yeah, totally. Also, like. We don't care that there's blood and, like, human brains on these, like, pieces that we're harvesting from this crashed plane. We'll wash them off, hammer it out. Yeah. Don't think about it too hard. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Oh, well, now I'm on their side. Don't say it like that. I guess if it's saving the environment, I'll take a couple ghosts. It just seems really weird. Another plane crash that happened into the Everglade was in May of 1996. There was a fire that broke out on Value Jet Flight 592 shortly after takeoff from Miami as well. The plane crashed into the glades, but very little of the plane was ever found. It's presumed that all 105 of the passengers were killed, but because so little of the wreckage was found, it's presumed that a lot of the bodies were no lost to the alligators in this water because there's lots of alligators there. Fuck. Yeah. That's like scary. that movie with Liam Neeson where his plane crashes and then he's fighting off wolves in yes. like the middle of the tundra. That also reminds me of the Phantom Cosmonauts episode we did where we talked about how in Siberia, like the Soviet Union used to give astronauts like special guns because they would crash land in Siberia and it would take a while to get to them and so they would be like here's a gun in case the wolverines find you (sighs) fucking crazy that's also like a a beautiful idea for a movie someone go make that because I would love to just see someone fucking kicking the shit out of Siberia yeah Yeah. (laughs) like an astronaut fucking falling out of the sky landing in Siberia and then fucking just kicking the shit out of Siberia's ass I would love that too so I want to add here that you know how one of the theories was that perhaps this was like on the curse of the Everglades and that this medicine man from the Seminole tribe put this curse on there and it's a hex Well, according to the Seminole tribe of Florida, they responded to this like curse of the Everglades uh, theory as like a complete hoax. And they said that it was like basically bullshit and that like it was just typical like trying to make uh, what's it called when you like try to like magicalize like a a tribe oh i don't know what the term romanticize no fetishize no it's like but they're trying to like it's almost like simultaneously trying to blame a group of people for like why an area is like a bummer right and then also it takes the responsibility off of the people that like 
had overcrowding of migrant workers in a remote area with no way to escape you Mm -hmm. know it's like oh it's not our fault it's because the Seminole tribe back in like the 1400s right they had a problem where they had a medicine man who like cursed and no no it's not our fault for going and like genociding this tribe and like no it's because the medicine man that we were genociding like said this incantation you know it like takes the blame off of like it's not our fault for like seeing this land that clearly should not be fucked with and being like let's drudge it so we can make money off of using migrant farm workers who are not like being taken care of because it's 1928 and like just making like profits on like whatever the fuck i'm sure there's a term for it i don't know what it is i just saw this tiktok once that was like this guy that was native american and he was like what people think like native americans are like and he like had two braids and he was like it was like sun sunset and he was like in a forest and like (laughs) playing like a flute and stuff and he was like what we're actually like and then it was just like a guy wearing a t-shirt like just like eating a taco (laughs) you know like he's just like people try to make it seem like where it's like this magical mystical thing but in reality like that's just a stereotype right right yeah no I feel that I think maybe like the new age counter to that would be like and I was thinking of this too as you were telling me that like do you think that anybody can invoke a curse on a land or do you think it has to be like a medium a psychic an important person a politician a medicine man or could it be anybody because maybe we all have a little bit of magic inside Mm -hmm. of us and in our last final moments as like the world is closing in because we don't know anything about what death is like maybe we have the ability in that moment to invoke a curse well, according to the episode we did on Colabraro, we talked about the evil eye. Oh, yeah. And we talked about how people can unintentionally curse someone by just being jealous of them. Yeah. And that's why you use the evil eye. And that's oh, wow. why you're not supposed to, like, brag and shit. And then also, remember when Shawan came on our episode about, like, summoning a demon? She talked about how, like, everyone has the ability to do, to, like move energy like everyone's a witch essentially and that like we curse ourselves most often and other people sometimes just by the same thing like thinking bad thoughts about them or thinking like I'm incapable I'm a procrastinator and then like you make it so that you're a, a self-fulfilling prophecy basically yeah, yeah. like yeah. you're going into a situation being like uh you know I'm just no good at this so I'm not even gonna try so then of course you're not good at it because right. you're not trying yeah. yeah 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 so they said it was a hoax But perhaps they were just saying that because they were like, you know what? We don't want people to know about our secret powers. Who is to say? (laughs) Certainly not I because I'm not a Seminole. So I don't know. I will say, though, it would be super fucking frustrating if you're just like living in a town. A group of people come in. They burn all your shit down. Yeah. Take everything like everyone's dead. And then now you're a descendant of the like original people that lived there. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, the reason why this land (laughs) is so fucked up is because those people we murdered put a curse on it. And then you're just sitting here like that literally never happened. Right. No, that is a trap. I talk about this with my therapist sometimes when someone's like, you're so dramatic and it like angers you, but you can't respond to it because then you fall into the trap. So instead you have to like keep your shit together and be like, that's interesting. Hmm. Oh, I see. oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you know? But like inside you're like, <gasps> ah! like just like a gasket like burst. <laughs> so some people think that perhaps these skeletons could belong to the mythical lost tribe of Atlantis. What? 
Some people believe that those skeletons belong to the refugees who were fleeing the destruction of Atlantis and perhaps washed into the lake bed during a giant flood caused by a tsunami or some other mass extinction event that led to the fall of Atlantis. Was Atlantis thought to be off the coast of Florida? It's kind of, yeah. Really? Right? Like I don't Atlantis know anything is supposed about Atlantis. to be well, so depending on like what lore you believe, uh some people believe Atlantis is like at the center of the earth. Like we talked about Atlantis being adjacent to Antarctica, right? Antarctica, right? In our like Nazis on the moon one that was from a long time ago that we'll probably have to re-record at some point because <laughs> it's not gonna age well. Um, but then some people also think that Atlantis is like in the center of the Bermuda Triangle. Atlantis is basically like this fabled lost land that was just like this amazing civilization but as history would have it like there was like a crazy flood or like some sort of destruction happened there we don't know what it was and similar to the dinosaurs it's like oh they're gone we don't know what happened but i think we kind of know what happened to the dinosaurs anyways it could be that we find the dinosaur bones right we just found these people bones are they the lost tribe of atlantis i don't know it's just a theory and is Pitbull the leader of the Lost Tribe of Atlantis? And Did his Pitbull... music is like mystical and unlocks. Like it gives like the people of Atlantis more power under the ocean. Did Pitbull put a hex on the Everglades? And that's what he means by Mr. Worldwide. It's like Mr. Worldwide destruction. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Worldwide domination. Some people believe that these skeletons are aliens from outer space or perhaps that they were victims of alien abduction and that their bodies were dropped into the lake to be disposed of or that they were unable to be abducted and suffered fatal injuries related to alien technology like tractor beam radiation poisoning. (laughs) We've really got off the rails now. Yeah, we have. But we got one more. A dying lake seeks revenge? As we've talked about before, Lake Okeechobee is part of the central Everglades, which is the name given to the body of water between the watershed from the northern and southern Everglades and the Florida Bay. And before the alteration of this drainage system by American settlers in the early 20th century who built the dike around Lake Okeechobee and they tried to build these canals and like they were trying to control stuff and it didn't really work. But the dike eventually was like the only thing that they could do that did work. We now know that this has like altered the way that the space drains and it's actually led to some really fucked up shit that's happening where there's like this algae overgrowth that like ends up killing a lot of animals that are there yes in florida we have a state of emergency and at several beaches people are now being urged to stay out of the water marine is closed beaches empty the slime and giant plumes of algae you see are symptoms of a man-made creation inflicted on florida's ecosystem we're in the middle of summer and our kids can't go swimming losing the viability and the beauty of our beaches is suicidal for florida we can't go in the river because it's toxic we can't go to the beach it's toxic Last summer, the algae was so bad that Governor Rick Scott declared a state of emergency. It's a story that involves a polluted lake, powerful economic interests, and some of the most dangerous weather in the world. It's a microcystis blue-green algae, and that can cause a heptatoxin, which is toxic to your liver. You come in contact with it, you could be uh, basically poisoned by this slime. To understand what is happening, I've come to the source of the slime. Lake Okeechobee. So what's causing the algae problem? 
In a word, phosphorus, a key ingredient in fertilizer. From the north, the phosphorus in manure from commercial cattle ranches and dairy farms flows into the lake. From the south, excess water from fertilized sugarcane fields gets pumped into the lake. The water, laden with algae, flows by canals to both the east and west, ending up in the ocean. Billions of gallons of foul water destroys oyster beds. Dolphins and fish struggle. This manatee, videotaped last July, was left gasping for air in the toxic muck. Yeah, so that, like, toxic algae bloom has gotten worse over time, and it's because this area is unable to drain properly. So perhaps this is all related to the Lake Okeechobee itself. Like, is this a living being? We talked about in the previous episode, Isla de Muñecas, how, like, the... God said, like, you were supposed to build this city where there's, like, a bird on a cactus holding a a snake. And the people were like, okay, do it. Perhaps God was telling these people, like, don't fuck with this lake. I've told you a million different ways. Sent you fucking hurricanes. Snakes fucking bite you. The shit won't drain, like... Ghost pirates. Yeah, ghost pirates. Like, what... like Dinosaur bones. What more do you want for me to be like, don't fuck with this? Here's a fucking algae bloom that will kill you and everyone else, you know? It's like that meme of uh, there's, like, a girl and she's like, God, please send me a sign if this isn't the right man for me. And then it's, like, her being hit in the face with a stop sign and then she just continues to date yeah. the guy. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that. Yeah. So you might be thinking that this all sounds pretty far-fetched. However, in 2007, the water of Lake Okeechobee was so low that the lake bed was completely exposed. And this exposed more artifacts than ever before. There were thousands of bone fragments that seemed to be between 500 and 1,000 years old after dating them. And we were not able to date any of these bones before 2007. Additionally, there were multiple boats, pottery, and remnants of an old settlement finally found. The boats that were uncovered were relatively intact and included a steam-powered dredge believed to have been used to dig a canal. Also, the remnants of a steamship that were scattered across a mile and a half. Also, a wooden motorized canoe and an early 1900s fishing boat with a large one-cylinder engine. And a fifth boat that was so badly decayed, its purpose has yet to be determined. One of those vessels is 50 to 60 feet long. Could one of those vessels be the ghost pirate boat of the Everglades? I'm calling it now, yes. Captain Barbosa lives in that ship. Get him off the ship. Bring him to me. I have questions. What was it like working with Kiara Knightley? (laughs) Now, here's some photos of what this lake looked like in 2007 when some of this stuff was uncovered and shit was crazy. Whoa, that I don't know. I don't like I just can't believe this story is still going. It's like how many bad things can happen in one place. It's really reminding me a lot of Lake Lanier. But the reason why I'm so fascinated by this story, like I said, is because Lake Lanier is man-made. So, of course, it's going to have bad feng shui and just be fucked. And now we're talking about a natural lake that became fucked because possibly of man's interference Mm, men can't live with him can't live without him (laughs) that is my story on lake okeechobee do you have any questions no i'm just stunned and sweaty and 
anxious and I'm thinking about like what happens to planes after they crash and then Chevy comes out and harvests all the metal and turns it into a car and now I'm driving that car possibly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we've probably talked about this on the show because it's really stupid, but let's bring it up again. Are the reason that everyone is so haunted is because we're using gas that's like literally made out of dinosaurs. <laughs> I forgot and this like, theory that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Like, think about it, though. Think like seriously, think about it. Like we're essentially using the remains of dinosaurs to to drive from here to uh, Ventura. OK, another question and here for to you. L.A. Counter counterpoint. Why do we never see ghosts of dinosaurs? We see ghosts of dogs, cats, weird cryptids, mm-hmm. demons, angels, people, maybe, aliens. Maybe some of the cryptids are the ghosts of dinosaurs. Or maybe because the dinosaurs don't have a reason to haunt, right? So, like, the reason to haunt is, like, you died and you were, like, super, like, upset about it or, like, some oh. shit was fucked up. But the dinosaurs were just like, like <laughs> it's a dinosaur eat dinosaur world. Like, you die dinosaur, you live dinosaur. <laughs> dinosaur, I'm proud to die a dinosaur. I'm proud to live a dinosaur. Rah! And then a comet came and hit them before they could gain any, like, further perspective on right. their existence. Yeah, no. they weren't dealing with existential angst right but then do you think a dog deals with existential angst because some of the like you know different ghosts we've talked about on the show are definitely like known animals like ghosts of known animals which ones like think i'm thinking of the bell witch story where there was like a rabbit and then there was like a dog but were those like ghost animals or were those animals that like the witch was summoning to scare Mm, them or was it a hellhound yeah exactly like like I don't know that, like, a rabbit would be like, fuck this world. I'm going to, like, go fuck with those people, like, you know? But maybe they would. I've had rabbits before, and they were very mischievous. Well, maybe, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. These are the questions, you guys. Let us know in the comments at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram. Have you ever seen a ghost dinosaur? And the answer is already no. But when when you answer no, tell me why you think that is. Well, remember back in olden days, they would say that they like saw dragons and shit all the time. Oh, that's Were true. those dinosaur ghosts? But then like the knights slayed them all. And then <laughs> does that mean that ghosts only live for a certain number of years and then they, the residual energy fades away forever? Well, I feel like, okay, so if a dinosaur is like, live dinosaur, dive dinosaur, if that's like his attitude is like he wants to die valiantly make Pangea dinosaur again (laughs) then perhaps being slain by like a noble knight was like a a freeing way for him to go down he was like i didn't go down by a comet that i couldn't do anything about like i fought a fair fight against this knight and I didn't win. That's like Rick and Morty where there's that one <laughs> alien race that they need to get killed by like a superior warrior. Remember? Mm, right. And then uh, so like the alien goes to find Rick so that he can be slain and be sent to Valhalla. And yeah. then Morty is like, oh, that's that must be like really comforting to know for sure what happens after death. And then the alien's like, what? What, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. And then he tries to run away and gets run over by a car and then gets dragged down to hell for all of eternity. He didn't get killed by 
a valiant warrior. I thought you were going to bring up the episode where uh, Morty gets like a dragon, but like the dragon becomes better friends with, with Rick, Rick instead. And then they are like fucking. Yeah, and, like, he, catch- yeah. he catches them. They weren't like, there was like the equivalent of fucking. He like catches them like trading souls or something. Yeah, and it's like They're an doing orgasm. a soul contract. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we started at Florida Everglades and we ended at Make Pangea Dinosaur again. <laughs> Somebody please make fan art of that if you've made it this far. It needs to be like the MAGA hats, but it just says like make Pangea dinosaur again. That is a beautiful fucking, (laughs) that is a gorgeous bumper sticker. I can we you, should make that. Can you imagine driving in bumper to bumper traffic and you're just bored, hate your life, and then you look at the car in front of you and there's just a bumper sticker that says "Make Pangea Dinosaur Again." Wouldn't you just be a little less stressed? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I would fucking yeah. I'd I would be, be like, like, I'm supposed to be here. I'd be like, this, this is my sign. Yeah, I'd be like, this person understands. Yeah, <laughs> I dated this guy once. This was a hell long ago. I would have been like 19. And he had a vanity plate. His was, I'd rather be in traffic. And so he'd be be in traffic and everyone. And he'd just be like vibing. That's cute. That's cute. Yeah. I remember in college, you had a vanity plate that said, uh, I'd rather be battling for Middle Earth. Yeah. And it was pretty badass. I like that one It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You guys comment on, like, let us know your best ideas for vanity plates or bumper stickers especially if they're better than uh, make Pangea dinosaur again. <laughs> Would you like to do our sign off? Yeah. BRB got to go get radiation poisoning from a tractor beam. Oh, amazing. Bye. Bye.